Welcome to Stand Up and Clown the Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Damiani, joined as always by my musical and technical director, not a co-host, James Venable. James, welcome. Welcome, welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Still trying to figure out where I'm hearing something in my... Okay, I'm good now. I was tripping out because I was hearing sounds coming from places that I did not expect them to come. Oh, that's just old age, Jim. Thank you. I it's always just appreciate you. You're describing as your your past middle age now. Well, thank goodness I'm not a big believer in age at all, and uh, so I'm I'm sort of bypassing all that stuff. Before we uh, introduce our guest, um, what this sounds like one of those tracks that you made and then did not get picked up by a major motion picture. Is that correct? <laughs> um, this one was for a demo for something. So technically, yes. <laughs> It's great. Um, Thank you. So for those of you uh, listening for the first time, Stand Up and Clown, the podcast, um, what we're doing here, it's inspired by a live show called Stand Up and Clown um, that's actually going to be just in a couple weeks at the Elysian (coughs) Theater on February 27th at 9.30 p.m. And what Jim and I do in that show is we bring stand-ups on, and I run them through this grueling gauntlet of clown while Jim scores their uh, performances. It's all designed to kind of introduce clown to a new audience because these stand-ups don't know the work and, you know, it's an exploration of failure and fun and joy and, you know, changing all the rules. And we wanted to expand kind of the scope of this informing people on what clown is and, and also all the things that are clown you might not consider as part of that art form, um, which brings us to our guest. Um, real quick, I just want to say this because uh, last week... Jim and uh, our guest Blake Rozier were out of control. It was bit central. Um, is your mic on, Jim? My apologies to the listeners. Yeah, it was for out of that control. Last Jim. podcast, I had a rather unusually large footprint in that one, and I am. Uh, it won't happen again. Well, it probably from won't a climate. It, 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 it was again. like climate change. Your footprint was sort of like the beef industry in that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I just want to say this is a, a podcast about clowning. Um, it is not a clowning podcast. So we have no obligation to do bits, characters, voices, be funny. We're just exploring the work. And to that end, I have to say our guest, I met him a few years back. The first time I ever met Brandon, he was performing as Bonavega at a small show at the Lyric Hyperion. Um, and he had just the simplest setup. And I was blown away from Jump Street. The first time I saw it, I'm like, who is this performer? Um, and it's been so exciting watching like a meteoric rise of people just recognizing talent and inspiration and creativity. Um, so without further ado, uh, I uh, welcome Brandon to the podcast, a.k.a. Bonavega. Uh, welcome. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> just know, Brandon, too, uh, Jim always makes the music too loud but then he'll mix it so if you comment on how loud the music is then we'll both look like morons because okay. he's, he's doing this to sort of trick us but it'll sound so fluid um, i was i was wondering i was like wow i have full-blown entrance music this is good <laughs> like yeah it's like wwe You're like, exactly 
am I the good guy? Um, <laughs> and he's lighting a lighter right now, which is the pyro. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in honor of a rock show. Um, yes. So there's so much to cover. Um, go to the liner notes to um, pause this podcast. If um, you haven't um, been introduced to Bonavega as a performer, we have a bunch of links uh, to performances, um, his stuff on AGT, um, a couple great music videos. But uh, Brandon, how would you describe uh, this character you play on stage, Bonavega? I. This is fun because I've never, I've never really done. I've done like one other interview. Um, I've been, I've been doing the Bonavega thing for about about eight to ten years since I moved to LA from Ohio. So in that whole span, I've only really done like one kind of interview thing. So this is kind of fun because I it's gonna I feel like you're gonna ask me a lot of questions I've never actually answered. I think it's um, fascinating that I don't do you think that's because you were in protecting sort of the mystique or or like how do you think that's possible? <laughs> no no one asked me. No, no okay, there's that other option. <laughs> no but also also yeah I, I do have a bit of a thing with with protecting the mystique but um I've been saving that more for the shows like in the show. Um, like I don't really ever break character and like, um, like speak to the crowd, like, Hey guys, thanks for coming out. You know, I'm always grateful for people coming out, but I don't ever like, you know, break the, the, I, I kind of try to keep the, the spell and the, the magic of the live thing going. Like, I feel like it's like in a movie, you don't really, you wouldn't like pause a movie and like the actors come out. Like, yeah. So anyway, you know what I mean? So I try to do the same right. thing for, I'm for, a hunt by the way. Show. It's so much better. Like as a performer who also, you know, sometimes I, when we do stand up and clown at the end, I wouldn't say sometimes every time once, once like the show is over, I do kind of revert back to me. Like, yeah. you know, um, yeah. just to tell them like, cause it seems like I'm playing such a bully that if I'm like, go to these shows, I would actually be hurting those shows. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Um, but, but yeah, like for me, like even when I do stand up shows, they're like, how do we introduce you? I'm just like, when I'm, when I leave, when I exit, when it's all over, you can tell them my name, but yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. be present in the space. Like I want the, the, I want the illusion, the suspension of disbelief to exist from a to Z. And yes. then after you can say like, okay, just so you know, that's a performer around town. So like, <laughs> there is a great value in that. Right. No, totally. And, and, and it's not even like, um, it's just like that's just kind of the, the the type of art I like to ingest. So like I like then doing that. I'm not saying like it's the right way or it's the only way. And obviously, depending on like the genre, like if you're a folk singer, you know you're probably going to talk about your personal life and you're going to say this song was about when my dog died or whatever it is. Right. But um, yeah, if you're trying to do like the the I guess the well, anyway. So to answer your first question, how do I describe it? I feel like I'm I I'm obviously heavily heavily influenced from like. 80s and 90s and, and even a little bit of 70s rock like glam rock um but i also am very into um i grew up on like watching musicals and uh andrew lloyd weber so i always say it's kind of like andrew lloyd weber meets you know def leppard meets wwe because there's also like this professional this like this like poor man's theater element to it where it's like yeah i mean you've seen it so yeah yeah no it's it, that's a great I mean, it's so its own thing. I think that's what's so great about it is it's just, I mean, you see influences, you know what I mean? Like you see in how someone's inspired, but the end product is so its own unique thing. Um, and it's kind of well, fun to sort of be defying description a little bit. That's I'm glad to hear you say that. Cause yeah, I, I that was the thing is that I don't want to just be like, uh, I want to be an homage to these things that I love, but not just like a knockoff. 
Yeah. And, it, you know, it's it's always this. Well, I also and something we're going to talk about in a bit. You also while there are some sort of like retro elements to your look, the message and sort of the presentation are so right now in a way, mm-hmm. that, you know what I mean? Like, which is something I wanted to talk to you about. But before before we do talk about that, I did want to ask you. Because we just asked guests this. Do you ever identify as a clown? Because I want to tell you all the reasons I think you're one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but do you ever self-identify or say like clowning is an element of your work or it's just not the vocabulary you would use? You know, what's funny is, um, yeah, I can't wait for you to explain it on like a on a on a theoretical level, you know, because I know you can. Um, I I actually never did realize it. I never explained it that way um, until we, we both know Jensen and, yeah. and Nick. Um, and I think one of them or both of them, well, after doing their show one time, I think they were the ones who said, like, yo, you've got a lot of like clown elements to your thing or, and, and so now I will, depending on the person I'm talking to, I will mention like, yeah, it's a bit, it's a, you know, there's a bit of like clown elements, even though I don't really know what I'm saying. Cause I don't really know the the history of that. That's just, I've just always, I guess it just is natural to my performance, but it happens to be in line with some of these clown things. Yeah. And you know, Jen, uh, Jensen and Nick, who this, that's the first time I saw you, I was on a show they have a show called friends and gay shit. And then it's an acronym, but only they're allowed. I'm not allowed to say it. <laughs> right. very, they make that very clear, which is fair. Right. I don't, I'm not, no. but, um, but yeah, this, this was a, a show where I saw you the first time. And yeah, I just assumed you were in the community. Cause I was like, Oh, this act has so many elements. So here's just a few things. Um, one, obviously this sort of this, this element of um, transcendence with costume and makeup. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that there, that there is like a presentation that that's put out there is very clown, but at the same time in that presentation, you know, you're, you're often half dressed. Like there's, there's like, there's an, a vulnerability in sort of how you present this clown, yeah. mm-hmm. but in that vulnerability, your status is through the roof. Cause that's what a good clown does. Like you feel as if when you first see them that in some way, their lower status or they're vulnerable, you know, they're half dressed or they're dressed foolishly or whatever. But then mm-hmm. when you actually start to interact with that clown, you realize they're in charge, mm. you know, like the power is the vulnerability. Mm. Um, I love that. I, yeah. I would say also just like this overwhelming sense of joy and purpose, but also not taking itself seriously, like absolute commitment to a presentation and a vision for a presentation, but also like seeing Brandon in there. Who's like, I know this is all fun. Like, I know this is a blast and I know we're all here to have fun. Um, And then like, I'd say the last like thing, and this is stuff we can unpack through the hour is a real connection. You are not presentationally connected to an audience. You are, plugged in like you are seeing this audience you are performing for this audience and i think it's something in music in general that i i think has been lost a little bit um you know because we are in the age of like you know have you have a garage band at home and you put music out on spotify and then you do a couple shows and then you see these performers and it still feels like they're performing in their studio Mm -hmm. i I resent that remark i'm talking and i am talking about you I to be clear, just, Jim, that I had was to jump all in. right. I apologize, but I 
All right, go on. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, like you're really like, spe- like you're singing, but you're speaking to an audience. You know what I mean? Like you're t- you're communicating with them. You're telling them the stories of your songs, and it's not sort of this passive thing where it's like, yeah, just cheer, like cheer when you want. Like you are prompting them to react to you and you are playing with the space between you and the crowd in a way that is essentially clown work. Well, first of all, it's extremely generous. And also um, the way you're explaining that is like giving me chills. Like I can't wait to play again. I've got a couple of shows coming up and I honestly can't wait to perform now because yeah, it's, it's so um, I guess I've been doing it for so long. And again, this is why I'm excited to do an interview because it's like, um, to have someone explain it who's seen it and then explain it to me hearing that there's an impact makes me so excited because that's literally my my first thing yes i'm a musician but my first thing has always been uh performance and i want to entertain these people in whatever way and whatever means necessary yeah that's also you know? what you just said is this like and again it, it might for someone who doesn't like sort of speak in this vocabulary it's like there is like a beautiful desperation, which mm-hmm. I feel like I, I have too, which is like, mm-hmm. you want to entertain these people so badly. Like, yes, you, yes. You entertain them so badly and you'll do whatever you have to, to yep. entertain these people. Audiences th- like crave it, like to feel mm-hmm. that important to the performer, it, you know, that's what it is. It's like, cause it's, it's there, they're doing just as much as I'm doing for them. So, and, and it's funny that you mentioned the vulnerability thing, because it is funny. I, upon self-reflecting where my live show and just my the the act and everything has come to over the years reflecting on it it's like it, it is funny because it's kind of a an explicit like magic mic type of show if you will but there's some somehow a wholesomeness to it you know what i mean like yeah. like and and I think that's probably I have a, a really weird religious background. And in a way, it's probably some of that. Like, you know, it's like really I'm just a, a, a you know, an ex church boy who's now trying to find himself. And you can kind of feel and it. So, it, But it doesn't. I like it, though, because it's a weird juxtaposition where it's like, OK, this guy is doing something that's very explicit. But also it's kind of like um, coming from a good place or something. It's not I'm, he's not trying to offend. He's trying to, like, um, help open I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, blow, blow, to my horn, but like, I'm just trying to help open-mindedness thrive, I guess. Well, I think that, I mean, and I've told the story on a past podcast, but um, your season of uh, America's Got Talent, was it the season before the pandemic or the season of the pandemic? It was like the, f- we, we, we recorded the first episode. We pre, we pre-taped the first episode January 2020. So we didn't know the pandemic was about to happen. So we recorded it, but then when it actually aired, it was like middle of the pandemic. So I was I had a disastrous um, audition for the same season. I didn't know oh, what no the season shit. was. Yeah, yeah. And I've told the story before, but they my entrance got super botched. I was never meant to go far. I was just looking to have a like a really lovely failure moment, like for a clown. Totally. But, <laughs> but having said that. And I don't know if people know this at home, like, so you're out there, you know, you're, you know, you're bare chested, you're like dancing, you're playing music. Um, You should know that audience is a lot of middle school kids. Like there's, yeah. it's a shocking audience. Like people don't know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. for you to like do so well on America's Got Talent and also feel so accessible while also feeling dangerous. Yeah. Like, yeah, like there is this sense of like, you know, you mentioned WWE earlier. 
like there's a bravado and a sort of uh and like a swagger but it yeah it's it's not a grime do you know what i mean right. like right it, totally totally it's cl- yeah it feels very much like a whole you can bring your family to watch that show and stuff and and for you to get that reaction from that crowd speaks to that in volume uh, uh, totally to- because that is like the most you know midwest like a lot of you know religious people watch that show and like i in fact i think the i think the person who won the season i was on like did a slam poetry like bible verse or something you know like like <laughs> like, like uh what's that G- G- jesus loves me this i know for my mama told me so or something like that like that yeah. was like that was like the winning act so it's like it was definitely not the correct show for me to be on but the fact that it was able to translate it, it 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 was it was fun. It was cool. You know what I mean? And like and I owe a lot to that show. Like as as much as it wasn't the correct show, they they helped me out so much, and uh, it was it was a pleasure being on it. I want to talk to you so much about, but I do want to get a little backstory because, you know, even you telling me that you have this interesting religious background, which I'm curious about, it's also very clown because I think what happens as we sort of come into our clowns is whether the audience knows our backstory or not we are breaking rules like rules that have been set in the past for us in our life. Like there's a Mm -hmm. sense of breaking free from social construct, breaking free, Mm -hmm. but everyone's different. Right. So, you know, like we just kind of know it subconsciously when we watch a performer that they're in a space that is invigorating and maybe a little dangerous to them because of something like it could be because they have a fear of heights and they're standing two feet off the ground. Like, you know, like, we don't mm. necessarily, we just know it from their authenticity, from like looking at them. And so take us back. It's Toledo, Ohio, right? Did you grow up in yeah. Toledo or, or the outskirts of Toledo? Yeah, I know. I grew up in Toledo. Um, well, I guess, I guess you're right. I, it was the outskirts. Um, this town called Bowling Green was probably where I spent most of it, um, which is, you know, about, I think like 20 minutes from you know, downtown Toledo or something. So yeah, it was, it was technically Toledo. Um, but yeah. It, um, yeah. And so, so what you're saying is like that idea of like, you're saying like, mo- if there's like a really compelling performer as well, it's like, you can tell, okay, this person's like working through something up yes. there. It's important That's what yeah. to be working through something like yeah. but also working through it or freeing themselves of something mm-hmm. or, or showing us a part of them that they have not been allowed to show. You know, right. and now and, they're and, yeah. and I'm sure and I'm sure it, I'm sure that changes as the the artist's career moves on. It, it probably it maybe starts, you know, like, well, I mean, I, I'll just speak for myself. Like, that's how it was for me. Like, I see so yeah, I, I was um, I grew up in Toledo, Ohio, and was in a ve- like my the household I grew up in was extremely religious. And in retrospect, it was like just pure brainwashing. It, I mean, it, it was it was it was you're pretty standard like evangelical non-denominational christianity but um which we think is like like that and catholicism like oh that's a normal religion but like my view now is like well it's it's very cult vibes um just for whatever reason is just has been widely accepted um but so yeah i grew up in that world and i was i was like basically a hook line and sinker until i was like 24 years old oh wow you were deep so so i actually when i upon moving to los angeles i was still a christian and it wasn't until i got here that i met some really cool people and they helped like kind of sh- get my mind right and and luckily they were like nice about it um and so that's why i'm really romantic about los angeles because it's like i fully found myself here 
You feel like though, it's so funny because in your current iteration and as Bonavega, it feels like, like you were somehow hatched in the LA river. Like you're the most yeah. LA motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, I guess you don't, don't go, don't go home for about five years and then that'll happen. <laughs> you know? So is that, maybe is that where your maybe music, it'll... because, you know, I know you worked as a DJ. Were you like a, a traditional DJ in Toledo? Or were you doing like Christian rock and Christian contemporary music or. So, so here's the interesting thing. So I grew up in the church and in fact, I actually, was a worship leader like that was like my last job before moving to la like i (laughs) led worship at a church and the thing is though i never liked christian music like in fact and this should have been a um kind of a like a a red flag but like it it would like it disturbed me like like listen like um and like when i was a worship leader i would just do some like classic hymns and stuff stuff that i could like stomach but like being in worship service at at church I, I, because the, the music that I loved was like hardcore, like jazz, like, you know, some of the jazz greats and, um, you know, obviously like all of the rock greats and all these like things that are like real authentic, true music. When I had to listen, when I had to sit in worship service, it was like the most cringiest thing ever. And a lot of that, I remember just like making an excuse to go to the bathroom. And I would just sit in there for like 20 minutes. Cause it was just like, it, as a musician, it would just like grind my fucking, my brain. And that's what you were playing. So outside of the church and outside of being a worship leader, when you were, cause obviously you're a lifelong musician. So you, you were learning guitar. Were you like playing that music or like, how were you expressing yourself as a musician then? So, so yeah, so I, I wasn't, the only time I ever played Christian music was, um, like I said, that, that when I was like 24 or so 23 when I was uh, uh, doing worship at this church and it was just me and an acoustic guitar usually. And it was just like very simple. And I would sing, um, you know, what's that song? Like not Kumbaya, but you know, th- those like very like obvious Eagles like, wings. I'm also, yeah. ca- I'm also ca- Catholic alumni. So we can go back and forth on hymns all day. Okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So I would just sing very, very, very basic kind of classical, but no, no, no. Like, like my own personal music journey was like um, in, in Toledo specifically um, when I was in high school, I was doing a lot of uh, like, I honestly, you know, we, I had a couple of like solo projects that, or not solo projects, like, like bands, you know, but uh, you know, it was, you know, it was like, you're learning how to make music. So it was not good. And then, um, but it was very like classic rock uh, yeah. inspired. And then, you know, a little bit of cover band stuff for a little while. And then right before I moved to LA, when I was like, okay, I got to get serious about music. I got into jazz heavily. So I was playing, I was playing jazz guitar kind of like straight ahead jazz guitar for, for a second in Toledo before I moved here. You know, it's so funny you're talking because I'm older than you and like was very much embedded in uh, glam rock. You know, uh, I actually take a cold shower every morning, you know, as a sort of way to invigorate myself. You do and that. Oh yeah. Every I, morning. I, I love that. And I sing mostly songs from Bon Jovi because he has a, he has a very limited register and like range so i'm like oh, there's no there's no note in a bon jovi song i'm not going to be able to hit yeah, um, yeah but uh but i can remember back then i mean oh, we were so into it that remember striper i do remember that were they, were they christian they were christian and i remember there was a really cuz i always just like you i went to this place called paul 6 high school i had the the uh, superintendent was Father Russell Rock, real name, not wow. his wrestling handle. And <laughs> I was definitely like a clown from get go and like definitely 
through my four years there was just like felt so tortured and put like anytime I do something funny or mischievous was like the punishment was so extreme. And I really did define uh, like a rebellious attitude that it, it hate, I hate even saying it, Brandon, because it's like it gives so much power to an individual that would have no memory of me. But it did yeah. set me on a path of like, I am not following, like, I am not doing what people tell me to do ever. Right. <laughs> you know? right. This is like this right. thing that you're, you're in your teen years. Um, but I remember I had a classmate and they were playing Striper for, and I was, and they were like, pretty good. I'm like, it's okay. Cause Striper's not that great. You know, there's no, a way, but no, no, no. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, it's, and I remember saying like, oh, it's, it's fine. And he goes, they're, they're talking about God. Like, like his expectation was that I was going to be like, man, what is this? But I was like, yeah. mm, this is not very, and he's like, no, it's about God. They're great. Um, <laughs> you could, it's like, you could, you could feel that there was something off about it. You didn't know what it was yet. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. He's like, damn it. Yeah. Cause if you would have been like, this is the greatest band ever. He's like, oh yeah. They're talking about God. Oh, that's <laughs> and that in his mind was the play, how it was all going to play out. Um, I, I'll tell a quick story about like, this is one of my very few victories because like this guy, you know, he's a grown man and I'm just a teenager. And just, um, by the way, if he didn't like you he would make you go play squash with him at a local gym and destroy you in squash because he was very good at it. like just a great, he's probably still alive. Yeah. I was, I was really happy and this just sounds terrible, but when that whole pedophile scandal happened, I wasn't happy yeah. about that. Let me be clear. I was not happy about that, but I was happy because that it ruined his year. Like I was just like, I thought immediately like, Oh God, I can't, I would love to have seen him when like that story yeah. came. I'm like, that's how much I hate yeah. this guy. But anyway, <laughs> We, um, we had to deliver, there was a convent and we had to deliver Easter baskets every year. I was in student government and stuff. So that was like, we had all shitty jobs. Like we had to change and take the money out of the copier in the library and bring Easter baskets to the convent. This was our political jobs. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we all like a bunch of us get called in. And if you get called in in the morning, Brandon, you know, you're in trouble, right? Like mm-hmm. if you hear your name over the, the intercom, like something, no one gets called in for good stuff. So the four of us, all of like the student council, the like uh, school student council went and uh, we go into his office and he's like so clearly and he's tall, too. I should mention he's like six, three. So very intimidating. And he's like, who bit the bunny? That's what he says. He goes, who bit the bunny? And we're just like, man, like it's that moment where you're like, I clearly did not. I had a stroke and heard something. No, that's yeah. not what he said. And I was like, I'm sorry, father. And he goes, you all brought. Easter baskets to the convent. And we just got a call from one of the nuns that someone bit the ears off one of the bunnies. So someone had torn and you, it, it, it had to have happened between when you picked them up from the office and when you delivered them to the convent. Wait, wait, wait. So, are these like chocolate bunnies? Chocolate bunnies. Yeah. It's just, you know, bunnies. an Easter okay. basket. Like, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we're all looking at each other like, what? Like, what would we do that? For? Why possibly? And you should know too, at this point, and I can't even imagine what it's like now. There were like, Octogenary, like these nuns were old. They weren't making yeah. a lot of new nuns even then. Right. And and I said, I said two things, and it was like two of my proudest moments of high school. First, I said, Father, no offense to the nuns, they're wonderful, but they are a little older. Is it possible one of them bit off the ears and just forgot? And he was, <sighs> so then, like screaming at me, he's screaming at me. But like, it's so funny to me. And so I go, all right. I said, look, we have to figure this out. <laughs> like I. I can remember my friend, Tony, who is also like, just staring at me, like, don't do this. And I go, here's what we're going to do. Let's get four of those bunnies. And each of us will bite off the ears. 
And then you go back to the convent and you compare the bite marks <laughs> and then we'll have, and then he's just like, he's just like, get the hell out. Like he just, cause it's like, what, it was, but it was like, <laughs> it's a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty good idea. Right. And by the way, this is well before CSI was a show. Like I'm also, way. <laughs> also, that's very biblical of you. Like, remember the, when the when what was the story with like with the baby? Where they're like, oh, we'll oh yeah, Solomon. We'll <laughs> you cut the baby in half. Like, yeah, yeah. I was always curious too. Like, were they going to cut it like a a sub roll, or are they going to cut it in exactly? The, like, it seems like hot, you have to cut it like dog, a sub roll, right? Hot dog style or hamburger style? Hot dog or hamburger style. That would have been a great if that was in the Bible. I might still be. Um, worship if if uh, the response for to God was hot dog or hamburger style. God. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm so excited by all this sort of because I do feel like I have also. It's not that. It, it it isn't even about religion anymore to me. It's about the idea of. It isn't about like pushing against religion. Mm, yes. What it's about is what you were talking about which is the idea of being told that certain things cannot be questioned and that certain things are so sacred that it's just like, this is just the way, like anytime I hear something sacred, I'm like, somebody's hiding something (laughs) because you only make something sacred so that it it cannot be scrutinized. Like there's, that's the only reason you would make anything sacred because everything should be up for. And I, and like when I found clown, which like you was later, you know, cause I'd done other things, the idea of questioning everything like that was so, and I think you're doing that now. And and it's something I did want to kind of talk to you about, which is, you know, you, why I think your act is so contemporary. It has these notes of like music. I love also is, you know, how you play with like gender fluidity, mm-hmm. like, and I was curious, like in the early stages of this act, like when you were just coming out here and you're starting to like play music and write music, was that immediately thematic? Was that immediately something you wanted to explore? Or was that something that came as the more you performed and the more you made music? Um, well, one, there was something I was going to say, I was going to make it. Oh, one quick note I was going to say, and then, yeah, now we'll get to that. Um, just that idea of um, when I, when I first got out here and then, um, well, just the real like Reader's Digest version is I, I moved out here thinking, oh, again, I was a Christian. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to be, and I was doing jazz guitar. I was like, okay, I'm going to move out there. I'm going to be a guitar player in a band. You know, I'll just be like a lead guitar player. But then I went to, so I got here and I, I remember going to this place called the Baked Potato. Have you been there before? That like, I haven't. That little, it's like this, this like really awesome like jazz club, like old school jazz club up in North Hollywood. And it was like, you know, it was like Monday night jam night, like bring your guitar and sit in. So I was like, okay, cool. This is a great way to meet people and, you know, experience. And then I went and immediately I realized, oh my God, I'm in a room full of like studio musicians who can shred me under the table. And like, I'm just like on another like jazz fusion level. And so after, like it was, it was it kind of destroyed my dream of like, Oh, I will go out there and be like a, the best lead guitarist I can be. Cause I was just like, Oh wait, this, this it, but it destroyed it in a good way. It just realized, yeah. it made me real. It made me realize like, okay, that's actually not the, the, the way in, um, which actually I'm so happy that that, that, that happened because 
I do have so many more interests than just lead guitar. Um, although that is like one of my favorite parts, but so then I started going to open mics much like a comic would. And I would, I, I remember seeing a guy plug in, um, his iPod and he sang to a song, a beat that he had made. And it was like, you know, as open mics are, it's pretty atrocious, but in the best <laughs> cutest, and, and, you know, just like we all, went yeah. Through. in a way that's kind of like endearing. Exactly. And you're just like, wow, this guy's really doing it. Yeah. It wasn't like sitting there judging this guy. It was like, that the, that's the beauty of open mic. We all did it. And, um, and so I was like, well, I can, I can fucking do that. So I would then go home and I would make songs like for the first time, really trying to make a song on my computer. And then I would, at night, I would then go and try it out much. Like I said, like, I think a standup would like try out bits or something. And like, and so in that process of going to open mics and then trying things on stage in front of a very small crowd, I was able to figure out, like, I was like learning how to perform basically. And I was realizing like, oh, okay, if I rip off my shirt, the place goes crazy every time, you know? And so I'm like, I'm going to do that every time. If I do this, don't do that. You know, whenever, like, whenever you engage with the crowd and say, Hey, thanks for coming. You, you feel them pull back and you kind of lose the mystique. Yeah. All those things I started to learn, you know? And, um, and then it just slowly built and built and built. And then like the songs got a little bit stronger and a little bit more thought out. And then I started writing with other people. Um, what were the early songs about? Um, I mean, the really early ones, I honestly, I honestly can't remember. They're just very generic, you know, very, very, yeah. very, um, but, but were I mean, they not, when not, did, were they, were, were they fun yet? Or was it like, just like. You were just, it's sort of like when you go to uh, college and you like in a write, like yeah. everyone's going to write the same five stories. Yeah. You know what I mean, like yeah. it's going to be a romance and it's going to be a, a, a scare, but like there's no distinctiveness in it. So like, w- was it kind of just very straightforward? And I think that's the point that actually I was going to, I was going to redact what I said, because like, I feel like in a way, a lot of my songs now are still pretty generic, but at least, but I think working with with better writers and 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 learning over years they've become they've been delivered it's the same thing but delivered in a better package you know what i mean um or more at least a more thought out specific package i think that's i I think you're talking about musicality maybe i mean because you're definitely covering ground like i don't think of your songs as generic in any like they are super fun. Like yours to me, like I'll say this, this is something I was watching your set at Stamptown, which by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, the day it comes out, uh, uh, Brandon and I are in the, sh- are in the show tonight at the bourbon room. I don't know if there's still tickets available, but it's going to be a really fun Valentine's day kind of themed show. But like, you know, that song, um, what's the sh- uh, the shark song that kids shark, sing? Yeah. Oh, 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 baby shark, baby shark. Do, do, yeah. do, do. Like, I'm like, I, I think I said to Natalie, uh, Palomitas, I'm like, this guy has come up with a way <laughs> to do Baby Shark for grownups. <laughs> like they're all super catchy. They're fundamentally simple songs. Yeah, yeah. Have a ton of energy behind them, but they're all they're. He's doing Baby Shark. Like he's doing yeah this crazy like version of Baby Shark. Like, and I mean that as the ultimate compliment of like, oh yeah, these mm. are like mind worms. They're you're gonna get in there and you're gonna remember them. No, no, it's a great compliment. And, and also having having the one song called Shark Attack. I I actually I think that's exactly. the song probably wrote like yeah. it's Baby Shark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> oh, so funny. I know, yes, you're right. So it's not necessarily generic, but um so I appreciate that. But yeah, so I think the earlier songs were just I don't know, they they were yeah, they were more just maybe just like uh love songs and those types of things and um 
just just not just not really well thought but again that's that's kind of the point right it's like you learn and and you at grow this and point you... are you dressing at all like at this point oh right <clears throat> right that was kind of the original thought so uh when i was doing open mics no i was i was just kind of showing up and um it wasn't until i started to finally like book like shows like at like say like the satellite or when that place was around like like actually an actual venue it wasn't just at an open mic venue um and it was like okay bonavega's show and i would have a couple other acts playing below me um that's when i started to really get into um like well, okay what do i wear and what, what do i do with makeup and luckily i've always had um very talented and um generous artistic women in my life who uh know what i'm going for and luckily love 80s glam and kind of just know how to direct me so like i've learned so much from other people like and so um at that time i remember my my girlfriend at the time i remember starting to, to like just helping me be like oh yeah maybe wear this and then that's where that whole like wearing fishnets and wearing g-strings and wearing little corsets and all that stuff and then once I started down that road, it like all just became so fucking clear that I was like, okay, this is the thing. It's like, and then that, and I'm just then looking back and like of all the references that I love. And, and then also in that WWE world where they're always coming out with crazy outfits and, right. um, and the, the specifically like the, the feminine thing, like, like where you were asking about just like playing with like gender normalities and stuff that just kind of came naturally. And I just kind of realized that so much shit between my, you know, you know, sexual orientation, um, you know, what, you know, gay or straight or by all that stuff was tattooed on my brain from my childhood. And when I lost my religion, I did a full reset. on just being like, look now, maybe, maybe I am straight as an arrow, but let's find out because so much of my of my brain is operating in a fucked up brainwashed way let's just figure out who you really are and upon looking into like cool fun things wearing you know wearing things that are more traditionally worn by women i really enjoyed and it was shocking and it was exciting and fun and sexy and so i just kind of kept leaning into that you know i gotta tell you too it's like that's what we're talking about. You know, not, it's not, it's not about religion. It's not about government. It's not, it's about anything that's sacred or anything that you've been told any construct that you're like, this is how it works that you didn't have a say in, you know, and I think gender, exactly. sexuality, I had a very <clears throat> similar experience in that I play a character in a show that also gyms in called clown zoo. And we were doing this during the pandemic out in the park, right? This theatrical mask show and I was just coming and doing the show. It was super hot that summer. So yeah. already we were all trying to just stay cool. And right. So, you know, my shorts just kept getting shorter because it was easier. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. And um, hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, and then Natalie Palominas, who was the director, she ended up getting a bunch of work. And so then I had to become this director character. And I had this, what you're talking about is very much because in my clown up until that point, I don't know. Like I hadn't even considered sort of gender norms. Like I was just doing things that kind of, I thought spoke to me, like if I did characters or shows and stuff like that. And in doing this character who was this sort of um, like a feat, cocky, like director, um, 
just it was one little piece at a time. I think the first thing that it was was these uh, short little camo shorts, and then mm-hmm. I had a then I had a black turtleneck on with it, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was like, oh well, I still need to wear my knee pads. So then I pulled these. I got some boot socks and put knee pads on. So then I just had that little bit of leg showing. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, I wonder. I bet. Uh, do they even? This is how much it was a new thing for me. I'm like, do they sell fishnets for men? Like, like. <laughs> It's like a total <laughs> Jersey gorilla. And yeah. it's what you're describing, which is once you start to buy that stuff and wear it and put it on and you're like, God damn it. I could have been doing this. Yeah. <laughs> this whole, like this stuff's so fucking fun. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. so fun and it's so freeing. And, uh, and I think when you look at kind of what happened during the pandemic also, and this is why I feel like, boy, you're t- like, your timing, which is like both luck and like vision, right? Like timing, yeah. luck and vision, you know, with all of us being sequestered in our homes and having so many friends finally feel permission to say I'm non-binary. Like yeah. I actually don't like dressing like this. I, I don't feel comfortable. And like, just because they were taken out of society where like the constant pressure to sort yep. of fit in didn't exist. And, uh, and, you know, I, I really do also on my side of the fence, I think clown is having this huge moment because clown traditionally does not really care much about gender or sexuality. Right. You know what I mean? Like we're all right, kind right, of right, just human right. beings, but yeah, like this moment of, and by the way, it, it might not, that might not be the same for every, this is you and me talking, right? This is just two right. experiences we've had. And I was like 18 year old gym rat, like Jersey guy, like I was as, like you said, straight as an arrow, heteronormative as it came. Like, oh yeah. And I was just like, I'm having so much fun. Like uh, we did just did a show um last night at the fishbowl. And oh, yeah. and like as soon as I found out we had the show, I'm like, I'm gonna get white gloves and white shorts. Like it's so fun. Like yeah, immediately yeah. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what I'm gonna get. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um and I do feel like what you're doing. That, and this is why I think, like I said, your moment is so right now is, yes, you have these notes of like retro stuff. And certainly like you look at the David Bowie's and stuff, but I don't feel like, like one, I think with glam, so much of it was like traditionally <clears throat> feminine <throat> choices, like long hair, like, you know, yeah. Um, but there was also like this sort of need to also be so hyper masculine. Yeah, Totally. <laughs> Totally. And you're not doing that shit. Like you're no, like, no, like no. not even a little bit like, and no. you're just so like, and I love what, cause it's like, you're so fully realized on stage. You know, I mean, that has to be an amazing feeling. Thanks, Matt. That is really, I'm so happy to hear that. And it's like, cause it's been, I mean, like I said, it's been almost 10 years of, of work. So it feels so good to hear that. It really does. And, um, um, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like, I, I actually love the juxtaposition and playing with both that masculine feminine energy where, where maybe like looking at me, it's like, you know, greased up muscle WWE guy, but then like who kind of prances around and like, it's kind of sexy. And like, it, it's one, one is very like, I'm taking control of the situation and the other one's very like inviting. So it kind of, it kind of helps. Like if it was just macho man, it would be like, ugh, this, we've seen this before. You know what I mean? Um, and again, this, none of this was really choices. This was all, or, or I should say this was, none of this was necessarily to begin with, uh, specific choices. This was me like working with the crowd to see what, 
what is working, what's not. And I can feel when things get pulled back and it's like, okay, well, what, what brings them back to me? It's like, oh, being, being a little bit silly and, and cutesy all of a sudden kind of helps them. Like, oh, okay. This guy's not taking himself too seriously. Whereas if it was just, if it was just, you know, guy coming out there with like muscles trying to be like hot macho man, which is funny that it, it worked in the eighties. Cause like you said, these, these hair right. bands and stuff in the eighties, that's really what they were. Cause they were like, and a lot of their messages were like the most macho, so you know, much. and it's, and like, obviously so many of those bands are classic and amazing. Um, but I like, I like leaning away from that message. Oh, a, because it's been done by them and no, no one can do it better than them. They've, they've covered it. And, and also it's just not what I'm, it's not what I'm interested in. Like I'm interested in, in being, you know, open-minded and inclusive to all things and, and, um, it is funny though when you think about it, like you know when like Motley Crue being like girls, 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 you know, like, <laughs> so we're gonna, and then being like we're gonna fuck them in the bathroom, and then like you look at what they're wearing, and, and it's like what what the it's like interesting guys that you just you couldn't you couldn't change the lyrics you had to, you know what I mean? There's a there are moments in those music videos too, and like this was uh-huh. my time, like this was when I was in high school, where like they be like you said they're they're talking about like fucking night and day women only night and day and then they would just cut to like the most glamorous shot of kip winger like the most <laughs> feminine like you know what i mean i'm just like yeah. what's going on i know that is yeah it's so funny maybe that's the true juxtaposition <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know um do you re- so i i do want to just point out like too you know as you said like what you're describing which i don't think is necessarily traditional with music. Like I think musicians put songs out there and they go do this. Does the audience like these songs, but you're talking about much more like a a micro like level of like, what's the audience do? Like what, how are they reacting to moments? How are they reacting to me? You know, excuse me in clown, we call that devising. Like what you essentially have been doing for 10 years is what we do to build shows. Interesting. Right. We just, keep collecting moments yep, and like keep refining the relationship with the audience. Do you remember that? Like maybe the first, I wouldn't call it a laugh, but do you remember the first thing where you're like, Oh, this is like a really fun thing I'm doing in the show that feels even transcendent to like the fun I've seen in mute in regular rock shows. Do you like, do you remember mm. a moment where you got like a reaction where you're like, Oh, I like that. Um, well, you know, what's funny is the, so the, I was telling you about how I started an open mics. The first time I went to an open mic to, and I had, I had like, you know, made this song, took me a couple hours to make this, this, this perfect new song. And it, and I actually went with the intention of being super serious and being like, no, this is my, you know, basically my George Michael ballad that I wrote and I'm going to share it <laughs> with you guys. And, and I remember it starting, the song started and it was super like eighties piano heavy and I heard like snickers in the crowd, you know, like people kind of giggling because I was like getting on the mic, like all serious. And, but like, but I wasn't so like taking it so seriously to where I was like offended by that. I kind of just like heard it and said, okay, this is, I guess this is kind of funny that I'm doing this. Right. And I, and I, so I was just kind of played into it and like, and started getting, you know, started doing some hip movements and started getting even extra sexy. And like, then I felt more. And I remember that being like just that simple um first time ever going into a thing thinking i was going to be like that ass serious and people are going to really take this seriously and realizing that it's no actually there's a bit of 
tongue in cheek going on. And I guess just being open to that in the moment and being like, Oh yeah. And then, and just kind of running with it. I do remember that. Um, so I think that's where the tongue in cheek King thing came from in my act. Cause obviously that's very heavy. Um, uh, you know, throughout the whole thing, just like not taking yourself too seriously. And I think then that it's crazy now that we're talking about it, it really did happen on a whim, like, yeah. um, you know, just by, by having that communication with the crowd. And then the other big one is that the first time I don't remember when the first time I did it, but the, the ripping off of the shirt, any sort of strip moment, that was definitely one that like, I got a huge reaction from and in, instantly made everybody kind of go crazy. And then everybody was like, ex like, if anybody was in the crowd, kind of not into it. If you do that, they're instantly like, okay, this is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so Chad, Chad, you could probably maybe consider that, you know, maybe that's something you could take as a tip of uh, removing clothing during a show. Uh, Jim's being sarcastic. I am notorious. <laughs> I have probably ripped over 500 tank tops in the last. Yeah. I mean, you years. buy them directly now right you don't you don't even go to i, I a found retailer. a deal on amazon where i can get <laughs> i can get like 12 at a time and they're about four fifty each um <clears throat> i remember my a- first time too i remember like just to go back and what was so special about it was it <clears throat> came from a moment of absolute panic i was doing improv for a group called Je- this duo i was in called jetso that jim played with quite a bit and i, I just like the scene was just die like we were lost and I remember I grabbed, like, I was like, oh, I need to do something just to wake this crowd up. I'm losing them. But it was like nothing. And I was just like you, lifelong bodybuilder, like this and that. And I just overdid it. And man, when I ripped this shirt off, Brandon, I did it so perfectly. Like, it was like a magic trick. Like, I ripped it down the middle and it just floated off my back. And it was one of the loudest reactions I'd ever gotten. (laughs) And of course I have now beat this horse. Like it's not even a horse. Like it is just glue. It is just just glue glue on the grass. Exactly. Because now when I do it, I get a great reaction of like, Oh, there he goes. You know, (laughs) like it's like, Oh, he's going to that cheap trick, but then they can't help but laugh, which is one of the best. But, uh, but yeah, like I just, to, to that point, like you find this trick, like, 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 and it's a bit of a cheap trick, but like the audience knows also it comes again from this place of like well-intentioned desperation. It's like, you have to love me now. (laughs) I'm literally naked. Please (laughs) love me. (laughs) I can't do anything else. (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember when you had it like in terms of music? So now you you're getting down this sort of this act and like this persona, like, was there a song that kind of came into your head and you're like, almost like that's too silly to even write a song about like, that's so funny. Or was it an immediate excitement of like, Oh, what if I write a song about this? Mm. Um, I think trying to think, you know, what the, the, the song that was most impactful, I think to my songwriting that, 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 that like started the, the blast off. And in fact, I've had a recent, I've had an even newer turn of a page. It was like, I, I was kind of making songs that were just kind of okay. And just kind of in my mind, at least, you know, I'm obviously it's subjective, but in my mind, they were just kind of okay. And then I, I made this song uh, called Pain and Pleasure with... Um, I know two, song. Two, It's great. Yeah. With two friends of mine and um, uh, Izzy Fontaine and Tom Lifka. And, like, we... That song, like, is probably, to, to date, maybe still one of the catchiest songs that I have, uh, melody-wise. And it was and it was also, like, just... Um, 
this really great producer absurdist produced it and it was like we, it was just the first time that I had a song. I was like, wow, th- this could be a song on the radio. It, 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 it's a bit, there's a bit of the 80s guitar stuff in it where I was like, okay, it probably won't get as accepted as I want just because it is, it feels a bit dated, but but it is also very um, like nail on the head for my brand. And, but then also just the modern and catchiness of it and the, like the pop element of it is the thing that really started like, okay, this is, if I can keep making things like this, they're going to be earwormy. They're going to be, poppy and so before that i had always just focused on like oh make it kind of rock or make it kind of whatever and now i was like okay no, no, no let's let's go like Katy perry lady gaga style pop um and then put whatever skin over it but you got to make sure that it's that it's in that that vein and i love that kind of music you know what yeah, I mean? yeah um and then i kind of went in that vein for a while and then i think when i made uh shark attack and then my song gym rat um and i started working with 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 uh some other people too and this is all like always collaborations you know i mean like these songs are always written by like multiple people and that's and now i'm in this level of like okay you did the like uh the in a way kind of wholesome love song 80s ballad thing and like the pop cutesy stuff now i need to start making music that's a bit closer to my image which is kind of you know sexual and kind of naughty and kind of uh, aggressive sometimes you know and so like that's where like shark attack and gym rat and all these songs are. so that's where i kind of i'm on this new page now of like let's make things let's let's up the ante even more and really just lean into the to, to who i am as a person i think i was always holding that i was always keeping that um like I, my image got got real sexy real quick but but the the songs were still very like bubblegum it was like still church boy kind of songs but like in this like really fucked up package and now i'm like okay how do we do both let's just lean into it all the way i want to follow up but i i always meant to ask you were you a lifelong fitness person or was this did you develop sort of the physique and the body as sort of a mirror to the persona um i was actually no i was always into working out um i always admired um arnold schwarzenegger and um and and it was i actually did i i went to like wrestlemania 23 like so like i really was into like hulk hogan and like all those guys right and so like um i i've always been i never been into sports but um always was into working out yeah and um and so but so that kind of naturally came like went with the, the show and the performance. But then once I really started getting into like, adding us like a full blown, like strip element into the shows, like a burlesque kind of vibe, it was like, okay, well the more ripped and the more like crazy, like jacked I am, the better it's going to be. Yeah. So then I just, it, it just really, it's honestly like, it just helped keep me in shape. Cause I'm like, shit, I have that show on Thursday. I fucking yeah, I gotta go run or whatever it is. I feel the same way. You know, I had kind of like, I was always, a weightlifter and like uh-huh. always like, and then during the pandemic, as we started doing the outdoor shows and I started thinking about, I always felt like I was kind of, I had like a bit of a beer belly, but, but like I always, always had like big shoulders and big arms <clears throat> and big chest. Yeah. And I just had this kind of moment where I was like, why don't I just look like the person I'm pretending to be, you know, like what if I just, cause there was so much time, you know? Yeah. yeah and yeah, so yeah. then like kind of developing out, and sort of kind of looking more the part as opposed to looking like someone who thought they were the part, which mm. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's, it was just this sort of moment. And like you said, it keeps you on it. Like, like when, you know, like I have a bit called Dick in a bear trap where <laughs> I, did it at, I did it the last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, 
you know what? It's just like knowing that bit's coming in a week. Like it yes. gets a little easier to sort of, you don't miss a work. You're like, mm-hmm. like, all right. Like, by the way, it'd be perfectly fine. Like it's, it's more, I don't know. It's more that I think it's just funnier when like, I'm a bit more like ripped when I do mm-hmm. that bit mm-hmm. because I feel like it offsets the bit, you know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, or when I do bomber, like, you know, I'm like, Oh, if my arms are bigger and I look more like, so the bomber is like, I have this bomb vest on and I like to look like an action star from the eighties. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I want to look like Stallone. Like I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to look like someone I'm pretending to be Stallone. I want to be Stallone. Right. In that in moment. That yeah. Um, but I, I've wanted... had to like kind of had oh, the opposite happen because Go ahead, what happens Go with me is that I get in too good a shape mm-hmm. and that kind of works against my character. So I actually have to work to kind of keep myself as soft and fuddly as I am. <laughs> Let me tell you, you're doing a great job. Well, <laughs> hey, it's it's all for the fans. Uh, Jim, Jim's uh, Jim's actually like a very good dancer. He does a ton of dance. Do you still do as much dancing? I now, go Jim? out salsa dancing probably two to th- well, on average a couple times a week. Yeah, that that'll that like so he's got good cardio. I'll give him that. Yep. Boy, this became a body. This very quickly became a body shaming podcast. <laughs> let's, let's, Jim, put a beep in here. Put a beep in here. So protect my breath. Um, hey, I, I, I did beep. want I did want to talk to you, uh, Brandon, about sexuality because I feel like, well, I want to say too, like, and I hope it doesn't blow us. Like, I was very much. I do a show called Stamp Town. Like I said, we're actually doing it together tonight, and. I was very much like, why is this, why is Bonavega not on these shows? I was like, it's, it, it's such a fun act and it's so like our vibe. And I, I kind of did a little bit of introductions, you know, sort of with Stamptown. Um, That's amazing. I appreciate that. And, uh, and I wanted to, I did want to ask you two things. One, I wanted to ask you about playing like that show is all comedy till you come out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I know you mm-hmm. do traditional, like, you know, you're part of a, a lineup of musicians and like, and I, so, so first I wanted to ask you, does, does that audience feel different to you when it's an audience that sort of is more in this clown centric space? Um, Only the fact that they're seated, you know? Yeah. 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 That's really the only, that's the only difference. And in fact, I think if they were standing, they would, I, it's like it's weird when I did that that show last time. I could tell they were into it, and I could feel that they were into it. Oh yeah, but it, but it was like in their eyes because it was like I think if they were standing, they would probably give more too. You know what I mean? Like there's something about them being seated. I don't know. If, yeah, that was really the only thing like um, that was different. Like um, I've definitely played in much less uh, receiving crowds, you know, before than that. Like like they yeah, love sure. you. I think you're, yeah, I, I think yeah. you're underselling it. Like, I know what you mean. Cause you're used to people being able to like rush the stage and, but like they were, and, and we should mention Stamptown notoriously long show. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were coming up, they had been there two and a half hours and they had seen, um, a bloodbath of clown. Like all the bits were really intense and like you came out and they were a hundred percent into it. Like they were loving, this this act so i just wanted to because i think you have a tendency to be a little humble um which i guess is good um but isn't that just more <laughs> christian shit from you brandon Are, aren't i aren't, aren't i just the most humble person you've ever met <laughs> <laughs> but but i did want to talk to you about sexuality because this is something this is a question i get a lot when people see pictures of stuff we do in los angeles clown wise and we do explore sexuality quite a bit you know like we are definitely not like red nose total innocent clowns. But what I would say about 
what I hope when people come to see a show like um like a clown zoo after dark or something where like there's a sec there's a sexual or a horn I like to say horny, like a bit of a horniness to the show. Yeah. Is I do feel like if you're really watching with us, we're looking at you and we're kind of saying, isn't all this sex stuff pretty silly? Like, mm. like we're committed a hundred percent and we're not winking, but we're also like just kind of, you know, grinding and preening and peacocking mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's all pretty. It's like, I like, I, it's a hard thing to say, but it's like, I, I hope that it feels as if we all like are almost virgins up there. Mm acting like what we think sex looks like you know? <laughs> yeah, right, like, right right and right. like i think but but in that i will say that there are moments even when we have shows where something happens and i'm like oh that's just straight horny i'm like i know we're here to make them laugh but this moment that we created in the pursuit of joy i think some people are like just turned on by this yeah and, yeah, yeah and hopefully right after we can make them laugh like i don't want to just like people to come and just be like, yeah, I just wanted to come for like 90 minutes. I was like, no, that's not. <laughs> but uh, what is your like relationship with sexuality as a performer? Like, what do you want this audience to take away from your performance? Right. Um. Yeah. It's like, you know, I think because kind of like we were saying with the, 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 the stripping element can be a cheap trick, but I think it, does come from a place of me being extremely sexually repressed as a kid. And it really is. I'm trying to get across the liberation of it and the, uh, the, as silly as, 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 as it is, as, as like you said, sometimes sex is, is fun or should be kind of fun and funny sometimes, you know what I mean? And like, um, I, I think embracing that and showing people that it's like, no, it's not this, you know, serious taboo thing that you shouldn't talk about and you should only do behind, you know, keep it behind closed doors. And and if you do it before marriage, you're going to hell. Like, I mean, like the deep, deep seated stuff, that's, that's the deep seated stuff in my head. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think it just has naturally come about as far as, as, as part of a way to just kind of, kind of just like, like, let's all chill out about the sex thing. It's literally the most natural thing (laughs) for maybe the, the most natural thing to be a human is procreation and and sex in general right and it's like to 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 have to to have grown up in an environment where that was all um like this this eternal um damnation was attached to it it's it's really first of all it's extremely dark to do that to especially to like a child um and and it's happening all over the world to this day and um and so now it's just like and, and again, I don't do it in that, like, like we said before, it, when I first lost my religion, the whole act was like, fuck religion. I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to rip pages out of the Bible. And, and at one point I used to have like my friend come out dressed like a pastor and I'd make him like a uh, gag on a dildo and stuff. It was like, like, <laughs> like it was like, couldn't get more anti-religious than that. But now it's not even about that anymore. Now it's just about, now it's just about like, um, being happy and free with the person who I finally become and just kind of sharing that. And, and whether people are like, Oh wow, I, I can be inspired by that too. That's up to them. But like, that's just, it, that's really more of the message now. It's just like, just, just being free, being open. You got to bring back that dildo spot, dude, dude, it was okay. That let me tell you. spot is so fire. Like being a pastor, <laughs> choke on a dildo, mate. Like I had to mute myself for a second because that's the funny <laughs> shit. Okay, well, let me tell you, like that really quick is basically he would 
he would come out in the this was like the first show that i ever did that actually had like a narrative or like a theatrical like kind of rock opera vibe to it which is where where my show has now come to um or at least like the full version of my show um at stamp town it'll probably be what like we saw last time but i do do versions of my show where it's like a full rock opera and uh me and my buddy tom i was like hey i, I was like i have this idea i'm like would you want to would you come out dressed like a pastor and kind of like berate the crowd and then i'll come out with like a strap on on and like i'll slap you in the face with it and make you gag on it and kick you off stage and he was like he was like yes i'll do this if my and, and, you know, and he's like a he's like a thespian right so he was like i will do this if my character can come back in the end and we have like a full, well-rounded like story built around it, and I was like, "You're a goddamn genius." Also, actors, though, right? No, yes. I'm just kidding. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. We agree, it's brilliant, but also fucking actors. You're like, hey, can I put this dildo in your mouth? Fine. What's my motivation? Where was this character born? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, um, is, so is he is he aller- is he allergic to silicone? Yeah. Um, yeah like, <laughs> I packed a I packed a suitcase for the character, and I want you to tell me if you think this is all stuff they would take on a trip. You're like, listen, you're just gonna get a in the mouth. Um, this is literally me just working out my, my childhood demons uh and so anyway so then what ended up happening was that like that spawned in my head like of course we need to make it a narrative we need to make it like a musical like a like a, a like a rock opera like a that type of thing because that's what i've always loved and so that then spawned and my buddy tom is very deeply ingrained in all, all of the live shows helping come up with the ideas and being part of the act uh, but anyway so in the end of this this preacher show he, he would come back and I would kind of like act like I was using powers through the air to like make him rip off his clothes that just like everyone had watched me do over the past 30 minutes. And underneath he's got fishnets on underneath his tearaway tearaway pants. He he takes off his little pastor outfit and he's got like a tank top on and we start flexing and basically convert him into a a Bonavega fan was the idea. And, And at the end of the first time we ever did this, no planning. We, we went in, you know, he, we did that whole bit. Everybody starts clapping. It's like a beautiful moment. We go into hug and embrace. And I swear to God, I almost like died crying because I realized like, holy shit, dude, you're literally forgiving and like hugging yourself, your past yeah. self. right now. <laughs> And I was not thinking about that at all when we were That's doing wild. it. Yeah. And it was the most beautiful I think that was like the moment where I was just like, holy fuck, this is the thing. And I knew that that was translating to the people too. They didn't know the specifics, but I knew that just the authenticity of it was translating. And I was like, fuck, this is the thing. How do I, how do I keep doing this? You know? I think too, you had mentioned earlier in the podcast about like how you always see that an artist is challenging something like, and then you said, and it changes. You were like, I said that. And you were like, and it mm-hmm. changes as you go. And like, I think this is a perfect example of. Yes. Like you're, you're, you have a great life. Like you're doing great work and it represents you and people appreciate your work and you're putting stuff out there. And like, there's only so much anger you can try to hold on to. Like if there's joy in your life, embrace the joy. And like, I think we see it with musicians and standups and clowns uh, to a degree where it's like, you really don't need to be mad about this anymore. (laughs) Like you need to find something else. that defines you or something to challenge. And I just want to say too, and I really believe this, like when you're talking about this, the play with the sexuality and not take it so seriously and it's fun. I think from the gender perspective too, it's all costumes folks. Right. It's like, whether you're dressing like a doctor or a fire person or a priest or traditionally feminine or traditionally masculine, it's all a fucking costume. 
And maybe you really enjoy wearing the masculine costume or the, fe- but like it, that's it. That's all it is. And like, I think clown has given me that gift of like, Oh, right. These are all just expressions of my, of who I am. And I'm not locked into anything, you know? And, and I think it's such a beautiful thing happening. I get choked up a little bit when, you know, especially right now, like when I teach, I like how all these like trans students and all these people who are like lighting their own path. And they're like, this is who I am. This is a pure a representation of my expression. And that, that, that this work can also be like, Oh, that's all we ever wanted from you. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're mm-hmm. like, that's what we all, that's all we ever wanted. And, yep. and, you know, and you know, this, we, we don't get political and this is a process podcast, but when I see people get so mad, about this stuff. And I'm like, like what value do you get from a constriction of possibility? Yeah. Like what value is there in life whenever you say that most things can't be possible? That's just, it's tragic. Like I feel bad for you more so that all this anger is because you just don't have the ability to believe the world is more. Right. Right. Well, I would say, and I would say that's what's so important about this stuff, the the work that we do as as comedians and artists and musicians um, is by trying to, especially in like the clown world or like the, the stuff that I do where like you can really go out on a limb and do really, really crazy, like be like, um, you know, no, these, these things are okay to do. And they, and they look inside yourself now, like as an audience member, look inside yourself and say, okay, what are the, what are the things that I'm afraid to do? Because people have told me I can't do that. And then like, that's always been my thing too, where it's like, if I can shred guitar in a G string, um, confidently and like not have any like word about that, you can, you can easily or should at least try to do that thing that in your life that maybe, you know, you've been scared to do. Like, it's kind of that, like, you know, it's not, specifically trying to do that but like that is slightly what i'm trying to say it's like i can do this you can do this too and whatever that means in your life you know what i mean and on that note um brandon i I did not set this up earlier and i so i apologize but um we are at the end of the podcast and we do have a tradition here yes jim you you did not remind me of this earlier i don't blame you um because i'm the host just a musical and technical director the way we end every podcast, uh, Brandon, is I'm now going to ask you a question. Okay. And the question is going to be, "What is clown?" So that's so I'm already going. I'm going to give you the question. So I'm going to ask you what you think clown is. If you give a perfect answer, because that's what this whole podcast really is seeking out to explain this work. So if we could define it economically to uh, the audience, the podcast will be over. Okay. The last. <laughs> It'll be the last podcast we ever do. And by the way, thank you for freeing us of this this labor. Like if you do it, don't feel bad. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you this question. That'll be followed immediately by a minute with Jim, who, you know, as you can see, unlike last week, dutifully listens and pays attention and saves all his comments for his uh, minute with Jim. So that's where we're about to do this. Are you, uh, Brandon, are you prepared? Yes. Brandon, what is clown? Clown is a guy named Bozo. Okay, I thought last week was our worst answer. <laughs> I, I didn't see. Can I just you've say, set I back the clown movement by a hundred? You've set us back to blackface, Brandon. 
<laughs> I didn't want to get it. I didn't want to get it right. I didn't want the podcast to be over. <laughs> wow, what a what a hero! He I saved, love that. Brandon love saved that. the podcast. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> It's fair too. Also, you're literally you literally came onto this podcast going, I can't wait for you to explain to me why I'm a clown. Oh, I know. I was <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, it's I, only uh, fair. Yeah. It's only fair. It was exactly. everything I could do to not jump in and interrupt again. Um, yeah. Um, all right, Brandon, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, and now I yield the floor for a minute with Jim. Thank you. Thank you, Chad. Well, I'm going to be real quick. I, I, I was going to start a whole segment about how the Zoom messages were going to be jacked up, but you got it right. So that segment's officially over. Thanks, Chad. Really appreciate it. Um, mm -hmm. I was also going to go in. And, and by the way, my apologies to the listening audience. That went on way too long. And I didn't have the sense to cut it down. I don't know. So double apology. Um, I missed a little bit of this show because in the middle of our podcast, I received a next door message saying, Hey, you left your credit card in this machine that I get water from. So I actually jumped in the car and ran down the street and picked it up. You you left, you literally left. I left the premises. I almost oh, wow. got a Brandon's speeding so ticket thrilled. on the way. Wow. I, I saw this cop and he had his radar aimed at me and I slammed on the brakes and I think I saw him shaking his head at me as I went by, but he didn't pull me over. So that was great. I really am a big fan of the combination of music and comedy. So I, it actually was probably the worst episode for me to have to leave in the middle of, but um, I enjoyed what I heard. I love the, uh, the whole concept of being pro something rather than negative something me, me you know, kind of being pro let's, let's free ourselves from the shackles of sexuality oppression that come from religion and, maybe not have to get into beating up the religion anymore. I love, I love moving off of that and moving toward what we want to do. Um, let's see. On that note, the rest was pretty boring. So yeah, that's all I got. A good podcast. Such a great actually. conversation. No, it's no, it has not been boring. I, I know I don't have a lot of snappy things to say. I said so much last time that I feel like I'm going to yield it back. Just, I to, just want to say real quick, what were you doing? You were buying water. What were you doing? I purchased water from a water machine at the local save on. Oh my God! Can I just say that that minute with Jim was just about as good as my description of what is clown. <laughs> okay. you, feel, you should feel redeemed. One hundred percent fair. One hundred percent. This is one of the worst. No, that was. podcast that was so good. This is I mean, one of the I, worst endings. I've been getting texts throughout this whole podcast. My kids are both going through all kinds of stuff. I'm oh, not boy. even here right now. So like, I should I should have yielded my minute of Jim immediately. But it was no, more to apologize for the last one too. No, truly, you, truly, you guys are both wonderful, and I. Thanks for having me on this. I'm not. I'm not ending this, but I'm not. Wow, right. I think he just wrapped <laughs> we'll it up. See you. We'll see you next. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What's happening? No, that's a very sweet sentiment, Brandon and Jim. Welcome back. Yes, um, happy I to mean be that. here. Welcome back to barely contributing to the show. Um, <laughs> I, like I said, the footprint had to be smaller to make up for the last one. I would say this is sort of like a premature baby footprint. Like this is like the toes are barely separated. Um, <laughs> Very creative, Chad. I love your creativity when you describe things. Um, folks, uh, once again, if you're listening um, and it's the day this podcast came out, come and see Brandon and I, a.k.a. Bonavega, and I'll be doing something just 
very profane with Natalie Palomides because we thought the show was going to be at 11 p.m. at night. And so we came up with what we thought was a midnight act. <laughs> so I won't say any more than that. Um, and also, don't forget, this show is inspired by an actual live show, February 27th, 9.30 p.m. Uh, we already have some great acts. Um, Irene, too. Natalie Palomides will be there. Hannah Pilkus. Um, just some really funny comics. Um, can't stress enough that that show... Uh, is the only reason this podcast exists um, because we're desperately trying to sell it out continuously and we don't know how to promote things. So we made a podcast. I feel like I have gym disease right now. I'm just, just babbling. No, it's, it's <laughs> contagious. You know, I did want to ask, did, did, did you guys discuss that uh, we did our first clown zoo at kind of more of a rock and roll venue? Did you bring any of that up, Chad? We, we discussed a little bit uh, performing Probably at fishbowl. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. I, I, I really think that's a great place to have that palate cleanser of like, okay, you came to see your friend's band and then your other friends maybe going to play later. But in between you got this like random comedy act. So boy, I love the way you describe our work. (laughs) A palate cleanser, a random comedy act. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Well, in the scope of these true musicians up there actually doing their thing, you know, us with our- So Brandon's a steak and we're a lemon sorbet? (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm a musician, so I mean, I'm not really counting myself. (laughs) All right. Listen, folks, um, tune in. uh, Keep tuning into the podcast. Remember to review and subscribe. Uh, And until we speak again, my friends, keep on clowning. That's the tagline, Brandon. Beautiful. It's nice, right? See, Brandon likes it. Thank <laughs> you.